Assessment Professional Development Podcast. I'm extremely grateful to have you join us and thanks for tuning into this podcast today. I'm your host, Donna Moulds, and I just wanted to reintroduce what we're here for and training and assessment professional development for me is about giving back to the community of trainers and those that want to enter the industry. So if you're just getting started in the industry, I love helping trainers develop their skills to become leaders in their field. Quality trainers make such a difference. We have so much content that we have put out over the past three years, almost three years, um, and still going. And the world of vocational education training can be a minefield for, you know, the standards, the legislation, and just when you think you do master it, something changes. And if you haven't seen over the past Six months, six to 10 months, so many qualifications have changed. Um, But it's also about the non-accredited training as well. So um, I'm here to help you demystify and show you some easy tips about being a trainer and assessor, especially in the world of adult learners, and especially those adult learners who come from a more vulnerable place, such as Um, those who didn't do very well in school and have a lot of gaps in their learning but have moved into, I guess, the adult learning area where they can become, you know, they go into trades, they go into different qualifications and that can be quite challenging. Or you've still got lots of people getting out of the industry that they were in, um, such as getting off the tools because they've had injuries or incidents and You know, so there's a lot of um, people out there that need your support. So becoming a quality trainer and assessor is, um, is, I guess, a very valuable uh, industry to be in. So just a bit of background on me. Um, I have been an entrepreneur for over 20 years, uh, trainer and coach and mentor for over 15 years now. And, you know, I love sharing insights that help me reach the level of a trainer that I never thought was possible. Um, As a former CEO of my own RTO for over 12 years, I have a wealth of experience um, that I hope that I can share something with you. So grab yourself a coffee or if you're driving, uh, turn the volume up and I hope that I can give you some insights. So today we're, I'm going to expand a little bit because I noticed that there was a lot of interest in adult learning principles and storytelling and all of those kinds of things. And in fact, that's probably my most downloaded podcast. I think it has over a thousand downloads. So in the world of podcasting, that's not very many, but um, in the world that I'm in, it's quite a lot because I don't get a chance to do these as much as I want to. Um, So, you know, let's talk about how adults learn. And I want you to just reflect on this for yourself and ask yourself, how do you learn? Now, you could be someone who learns quite easily online. You are self-directed. You are very committed to, um, you know, showing up to your learning all the time. 
And then you've got other people who are not as self-directed um, because they've never learned how to study or they've never learned how to um, plan to be able to progress in their learning. And I think I can speak from experience here. I'm doing um, a degree currently and I I think I referred to myself as a couple of times as epically failing, um, but that's not so true. Uh, what I did was um, I enrolled in a degree at the time I started a new job, which was, I don't know, at the time I thought that that was a good thing to do, but it was not because learning a new job um, whilst in the space that I'm very confident in and in the space that I have a lot of experience in is fine, but in a new environment that I'm not used to, um, I didn't have the mental capacity to actually study and um, so I didn't do very well. However, third time's a charm and I've, um, you know, re-enrolled and I know where some of the gaps are. So I actually can take the time myself to analyse um, where my shortfalls are. But not all learners have the capacity to do that and that's where it comes in. That's where your job comes in. If you can look at where someone um, excels or where they need assistance because they've got some gaps or, or, or just they haven't learnt how to do something in the way of learning, studying, um, timetabling that, being able to be committed to that based on their schedule, um, they've got unrealistic expectations about what they should or shouldn't know. When, when they don't know how to analyze all of that, that, that's your job and you're able to do that and help them plan out something in an appropriate way. So there was, uh, and I think I've referred to this, but if you go back to uh, in the 70s, Malcolm Knowles as an American theorist of adult learning education identified that there was six principles. These are his principles, not my principles. So um, adults are internally motivated and self-directed. Uh, adults bring life experiences and knowledge to learning experiences. And adults are goal-oriented. Adults are relevancy-oriented and adults are practical. And the last one is adults learn, adult learners like to be respected. So when he talks about these principles um, or these theories, sorry, the learning theories, that kind of led into some um, principles that, that are really important. And so I just want to, uh, and I am reading these out, so I want you to know that these are, again, not my principles. However, I totally agree with them and my experience has been that they are true and correct, um, no matter which cohort that I look at. Um, so let me let me talk about these principles that had been identified in the 70s. Um, number one, adults expect to be respected, safe physically and psychologically, and find the learning experience rewarding. I'm going to go back to the start of these and give some examples as well. Number two, adults can and will use all of their senses to learn. Three, adults learn more effectively when they can relate to new information to their existing knowledge or experiences. And four, adults need to be able to practice newly acquired skills and apply new knowledge. Five, generally adults remember the best, the first and the last things in a learning session. They also remember the food. I just want to add that one. Um, 
Six, in training, adults need feedback on their progress to determine their own effectiveness. And seven, adults need to be actively involved in the learning process. And eight, when new information contradicts their existing beliefs, adults need more time to make sense of and value this new information. That's that reflective stage that they, you know, that we all need to go through. So think about this, and there's all different types of scenarios, but adults expect to be respected, safe, physically and psychologically, and find the learning experience rewarding. So when you've got a vulnerable cohort, for example, um, you know, young adults, they need to be in respected and safe and, and they're going through that transitional stage from school into adult into, you know, a working life or a, a learning life and, you know, so that needs to be, the environment needs to be appropriate to them. So whether they're face-to-face or whether they're on online, they're still going to get feedback and they still need to be respected. Um and especially giving feedback in a way that can be received. So feedback needs to be given um, in a way for a younger person differently to a more mature learner. Feedback would be quite different. Um, Adults can and will use all of their senses to learn. And so if we think about the um, learning styles, auditory, kinesthetic, Um, you know, when you go into those learning styles, remember, if you think about yourself, are you a hands-on learner? Do you read? Do you prefer to read? And then you can do, do you prefer to be shown? You've got to think about all of those things as well, because someone, for example, um, who's been on the tools all their life, and then they come into a learning environment. So someone might've been a a, a plumber or an electrician or a cabinet maker or a plasterer and they've got to come off the tools because it's too hard on their bodies now. A shearer is another good example of that where they can do different tasks after they can no longer shear sheep because it's too hard on their bodies. Um, you know, they they have learnt by doing. So if you expect them to read a manual, that might not be the appropriate way for them to do that. When you look at adults learn more effectively when they can relate new information to their existing knowledge or experience. So when I'm giving examples in a face-to-face setting, I have taken the time to get to know my cohort, get to know what their background is, their industry that they're working in, And as a facilitator, you should be able to relate scenarios so that you know your your students are connecting and giving examples. And I think in a podcast previously, this is the most simplest one that I can think of right now. I had um, a group of adult learners who were mature adult learners who, again, were reskilling and they were currently on Centrelink benefits and they had to get um, skilled to get jobs. There was a lot of pressure from, you know, the, that kind of scenario. And they all had to learn how to use the basics in computers to do resumes, to apply for jobs, all of those kinds of things. And we were teaching the simplest of thing for someone who's used a computer 
right? It is super simple to use a mouse, to double click, to do whatever you've got to do there. And and this was kind of before touch screens. But um, this gentleman could not get double clicking. And I was listening to him have a conversation in the break with another person and he was talking about the fact that he had gone uh, hunting on the weekend and and was um, shooting. And I think he was the rabbits. Let's say it was rabbits. And um, in my mind, I'm going, oh, okay, so he can shoot and you'd have to be quite quick. So imagine you're shooting and double-clicking on the mouse in the same concept. and But the way I explained it, he got it. And within seconds, because he got the example, he connected it and he was able to double click on the mouse. And we'd been there, I think, for a good hour and a half, two hours before that, uh, that morning. And we'd been there a few days before that as well. But it just wasn't connecting. So that's a really simple example of how you as the facilitator can connect someone by using different examples that someone will get but you've you've got to know your cohort you've got to know um, how to connect those dots so the next one is um, the adult needs to be able to practice newly acquired skills and apply new skills listen today I see this over and over again these short sharp courses which are in demand and they are in demand and and of course that that's a combination of people are time poor organizations are time poor people don't want to sit in a course for three days they want to sit in a course for three hours and they don't get a chance to practice the skills that they're learning and so then you go back to your job and, and you forget that you've just been in a three-hour training course and you haven't had time to actually implement what you've learned and to be able to practice that. So adults get the concepts and the new skills by being able to practice them. So um, five, generally adults remember the best and the first, sorry, the best the first and the last things in a learning session. And so if you are engaging, if you make it interesting and you get people involved, you're going to have better outcomes. Um, number six is in training, adults need feedback on their progress to determine their own effectiveness. Now, this is one thing I want to focus on the facilitator here because the facilitator's need to learn to be able to give feedback. And a lot of the time people are too scared to give feedback because they think they're going to offend someone. And it works both ways. The facilitator giving the student feedback and then the student being able to give the facilitator feedback and saying, look, hey, I thought the training program was okay, but it didn't kind of suit me because I'm I learn in this way. You know, feedback can be given respectfully. It can be given so that someone else understands that they just want it done differently. And the facilitator giving feedback is so valuable. And you've got to learn how to give feedback in a way that is not going to just diminish everything. It's not going to make them feel like crap. It's not going to make them feel like they didn't get it or it's not going to feel them, make them feel like they don't want to come back to the training session. So feedback needs to be given in a way that is constructive. And if you, I mean, there's plenty of stuff online to learn how to give feedback, but the bottom line is 
you can sandwich approach, if they call it a sandwich approach anymore, where you give can, um, positive feedback and then constructive feedback and then follow on with positive feedback, just like you would in an organization. Um, giving that feedback is really valuable. Um, when I was doing feedback for trainers and assessors who were doing their Cert 4, feedback was so valuable for them. Uh, because it helped them become better. And I have a philosophy of I can give feedback. You you take it or leave it. Like you don't have to agree with what I'm saying. You don't have to change anything. Uh, but it's my job to give you feedback uh, based on my experience and, and being, a, you know, a subject matter expert in those areas that I'm delivering in. Um, it's It's a very, very valuable tool. Uh, and number seven, adults need to be actively involved in the learning process. Like, what does this learning look like? How long will this take? What will I need to do? How much time will I need to spend on this? You know, there's all these questions. And if you can anticipate questions and you have all the answers for them, that will make people feel more comfortable as they're going into the learning pro, um, program. And as the process continues on, the expectations are real. I can tell you now when when you give someone – um, a five-week timetable. So we had training and assessment went for five weeks. It was fairly um, full on, uh, but they knew exactly what was going to happen day one, day two, day three, and so forth. And um, that just made it better because the expectations were very, very clear from both sides. And number eight, when new information contradicts their existing beliefs. So this is where things have changed. If something's changed and there's a better way to do something, but they don't know that, you're sharing something and it can contradict what they know. Therefore, they have to be able to um, get buy-in. They have to be able to understand what's changed, why is it better, or they might not even agree that it's better. Um, but they ha people have to have time to adjust to a new way of thinking. And, um, you know, how we present the information and get buy-in is really important because if we're forcefully saying to someone, this is how it is now, this is how it's going to be done, without giving them the why and the how and all of the other things, all of the other bits of information that they may need, they will just probably reject the idea. And that's really difficult to bounce back from. So you want to make sure that you um, talk about it, you know, and when someone rejects the idea, you want to be open enough to listening. So tell me more about that. Tell me more about why you think that. And respecting other people's opinions is really important and getting them to also do the same. You can't make someone respect you, but you can have a very mutually respectful conversation about it and find it interesting. So one of the things that um, I learned some time ago is, and I actually learned this from Jim Rohn. Anyone who doesn't know Jim Rohn, please look him up. He's a, a business philosopher from America, but he was a um, is was, is still a mentor of mine and someone um, I highly respect his philosophies. And and he one of the things that he taught me was find it interesting. And when you find something interesting, it takes away the emotion from it. So it's like someone says something to you 
that you know doesn't align with your values and beliefs, instead of rejecting it and becoming emotionally triggered by it, you find it interesting. And just internally, you could be saying to yourself, hmm, isn't that interesting? But one of the things you can do is ask the person to tell you more. And when you're asking them to tell you more, you're showing a curiosity and therefore that takes away the angst of someone trying to force their opinion on you or you trying to force your opinion on them. So just have a think about that next time of finding it interesting rather than, um, you know, trying to debate something because we really, you know, that that could go many ways. So, um, so when you're looking at life experiences of adults, the only way you can connect with someone to understand their life experiences is to communicate with them and be curious and ask them about things. Because when you know someone's life experiences, that allows you to connect the learning with their you know, previous life experiences or the current life experiences. Um, having a learner self-directed and when someone's self-directed, they actually can take more responsibility. When they're able to take responsibility, um, then you have them open to more learning. So when adults have the freedom to make their own choices and be self-directed, then they can find the learning experience more enjoyable. You also can get greater benefit from your learners when you know what their motivations are. So imagine these two examples. Learner A, their motivation is, my company told me I have to be here, so I'm here, and I don't really want to be here, and I don't believe in what you're doing, but I'm here to tick a box. Opposed to someone who their motivation is, I can't do what I was doing, so I now need to learn this to get a better job. And then you've got another learner who wants to change careers so they're there because if I change my career, I'll be doing what I want to do and my future looks brighter. So you can understand finding out people's motivations is really, really beneficial. Now, I just also want to digress a little bit here and I want to say, as I'm telling you all these things, this is face-to-face learning. And my personal belief is online learning is fantastic. And let me tell you, through the pandemic, this was probably uh, saving grace for many, many people. So many people got to learn online and they could change their career. Many people got to learn online and they felt like that they were still growing and developing. Um, You know, so there is absolutely a place for learning online. That will not change in the future. However, we cannot forget that there is many learners that do not learn online and will not participate because there is only the online option. There are so many learners out there before they become learners, so many people out there who want to learn, who want to advance their career or they want to change careers or they just want to develop themselves in a way that need face-to-face 
or some form of face-to-face and then they'll continue online. The value in face-to-face is where you guys come in as trainers and assessors. Never forget that humans need to connect and connecting through learning is such a valuable thing. So so as you're doing your learning program, so even if someone's learning online and you're supporting them from a distance, even having a video call with them is going to make a difference. If you can't have a video call, a phone call is going to make a difference and have a plan for that. But, you know, we need to remember that adults need to have some autonomy over their learning as well. And I want you to reflect on your own preferences. And then if you don't have a lot of experience with other learners, speak to your family and friends and and ask them, how do you best learn? You know, and you'll find that there'll be um, a variation of answers. There'll be people who love learning online because they hate sitting in a classroom or they hate sitting on a Zoom call because we're so over Zoom calls. Like I get that. You know, the last three and a half years have been full of Zoom calls, um, more than my entire life, I think. But um, I think you'll find that you'll get a combination of answers and how there's benefits to you being able to connect with your learners and also how that helps them progress. (laughs) 